This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the TVU Podcast. I'm Dustin. Joining me today is BJ and Adel and we are going to be talking at length about the Batman, the Batman, Bat and Cat trailer. Uh, first off, let's start off by saying Happy New Year to our listeners. Thank you so much for returning in 2022 as we get closer to probably one of the more anticipated um, items within the last... Well, let's just put it. Let's just put it how it is. Uh, probably one of the most anticipated things that's happened since the TBU podcast first existed way back in two thousand and eight. Um, obviously, there's been other films that we've looked forward to, but whenever there's a solo bat film, this is really what makes us super super excited. So, uh, surprisingly, over the course of the last two weeks while we were on hiatus or holiday break or however you want to put it Warner Brothers decided to grace us with a late Christmas present with a uh, bat cat and cat trailer which is essentially um, a trailer that's uh, I'm guessing that the purpose behind the trailer was at least to have something that was released to the mainstream outside of DC fandom since the previous two trailers that have released were connected to DC fandom, and not that obviously people aren't going to watch them, people are, but I think that this new trailer was kind of <laughs> fixing some of the things that some of the people out there were complaining about, and I think that's one of the biggest focuses with this trailer. We've heard complaints, we've actually talked about it obviously here on this podcast, about how there have been people who have been talking about how could the Batman movie be too violent, things like that, and... Honestly, there you as we said on the podcast when we talked about that exact topic, you kind of have to wait and see. And marketing is its own little, uh, you know, its own little beast that has to be controlled, but it also has to be let loose to get people excited in some regard. So, this trailer kind of steers away from the violent, rageful uh, Bruce Wayne that we've seen in the past trailers, and that's not. Like it's going to disappear from the movie. I think they're trying to just show that there's other elements in this movie that since so many people were focusing so much on that side of it. This was truly, let's show a trailer that has Batman. Uh, there's some mystery. There's intrigue. There's action. There's 
uh, villains. There's some romance there between uh, Batman and Catwoman. There's a lot of things going on in this movie, and it's more than just Batman beats the crap out of some people, as we've seen uh, probably a little bit too much for the sake of uh, the mainstream when it comes to uh, the first two trailers that released. So this trailer, uh, there's a lot, a lot of stuff that that was in this trailer. Uh, you know, some might say that trailers in general tend to focus a little bit too much, but surprisingly, you don't actually see that much of the Riddler in this one. The Riddler is obviously hinted at. There's references to the Riddler, uh, but this is probably the one trailer that we see the least amount of Riddler. You know, the last trailer, or I should say the second trailer, which I will refer to as the second trailer going forward. But that one was the DC Fandom 2021 one that released back in October. That one featured, obviously, uh, Paul Dano's character at the diner being arrested, Batman interrogating him. We saw uh, in the first trailer... The Riddler way out in, you know, in, in the very beginning of the trailer, he's duct taping someone that has something to do with the mystery that he's trying to have Batman uncover. There's there's a lot of Riddler in the other ones. This one, not anywhere near as much. This was a lot more focused, obviously, on the Catwoman relationship. We see a, we see we still see Penguin. He's still present, just as much as Riddler, honestly. Um, but there's there's a lot going on. So Let's start off with saying what some of, what are some of the things you guys enjoyed seeing in this trailer. <clears throat> My favorite parts of the trailer were the Catwoman stuff. Uh, like I liked um, their little fight scene. I think we saw a little bit of that in the first trailer. The little fight where they're not really doesn't look like they're really fighting each other, but it's almost kind of like a dance, like the way they're kind of feeling each other out and seeing like is she, back and seeing is she on my side? Is she kind of where does she toe the line? Um, either way, and I really like their relationship in this. How the little previews we've seen in this trailer about their relationship. Yeah, for me, I enjoyed I enjoyed that dynamic as well. Um, just because, um, I mean, we we did see a bit of that with Dark Knight Rises, but I think this has the potential because they're bringing it in in the first movie to sort of take that to a whole other level as far as you know, Catwoman being a potential ally or you know, anti-hero, whatever they're they're doing with her character arc down the road. But the other thing that really, uh, you know, stood out to me was um, just this, I think, Dustin, you mentioned this on Discord as well, just the scale of the film, uh, that it is actually much bigger than we had originally thought. And the other thing I liked was that there there does there there is some sort of deeper mystery that is connected to the mythos and history of Gotham City itself which I think is something that the previous movies maybe didn't bring in as much. Uh, so I'm really excited to see how this movie unpacks that. Absolutely. Uh, going, Jumping off of uh, your comment about the scope, let's talk about the scope because honestly, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in this trailer and it's really cool to see. So obviously, I will say this. So as we're recording this, there was uh, some new images that released over the weekend and those images, most of them we've seen bits and pieces or they can at least be connected to elements that we've already seen in the trailer. There's just one additional image, which is James Gordon and uh, Batman. They, they, they appear to be in the morgue, but weirdly enough, they're looking at a cage, which you would expect to see if someone was like testing something or I guess hypothetically had a pet that they just had in the morgue or something like that. But it was, a, it was weird because it, their focus is on that cage. 
unrelated, I at the beginning of that article that I analyzed all these images, I specifically said, obviously, we're going to go out of our way to put together things that may or may not actually fit when the movie comes out. So keep that in mind. We're not... We obviously have not seen the film. We are just using our best guesses. We're putting our Batman hats on here and we're putting together and using our detective skills to try to piece things together to get a better idea of what exactly is happening in the film. Um, But some of that could unintentionally spoil some things. So I'm just saying that out front because I don't want anybody to get upset and be like, how could you say that? You're spoiling the film because let's be honest, I haven't seen the film. I can't be spoiling the film if I haven't seen it. I'm just putting things together based off of the marketing materials that Warner Brothers is providing everyone out there. So that said, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. in, in the trailer, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, so the trailer begins with a woman approaching Bruce Wayne and saying, Bruce Wayne, and he says yes, and she's like, I've been trying to get a hold of you, but your people say you're always busy, there's a lot more that you can do for Gotham, but it doesn't seem like you're trying to do anything. He kind of laughs it off, but the way everything's edited and pieced together, it appears as if... This is taking place during that funeral scene we've seen in some of the other trailers where the SUV bursts in and the guy comes out of the vehicle taped with a phone who's trying to talk to everybody in general, Uh, obviously put in place by the Riddler. This is all happening at the same exact situation. There's a, there's one of the images that just released has Bruce Wayne leaving with a duffel bag from that exact same place. In the new trailer, we see Batman actually getting to this funeral of some sort. He comes up in his car. He gets out of his car. He walks into the building. Um, this is all taking place at the same time. Now, the one thing that is interesting is that the... And I can't confirm this one way or the other because... She's not listed as one of the main cast, but the woman who approaches Bruce Wayne at the beginning, towards the end of the trailer, there's a sequence where it looks like it's some sort of communications tower or something like that. There's henchmen or the Riddler along with henchmen, but they're all dressed exactly in the same outfit as the Riddler. They're all up on this communications tower, and there's some screens up there that say change for Gotham, and it appears to be the exact same woman who approached Bruce in the beginning, leading us to believe that there is going to be some sort of If this is true and it's the same woman, you would assume that this is a politician who's trying to approach Bruce for support to be able to change Gotham from the inside as a politician. This is something that's very common in a lot of different Batman stories because Gotham has always been known to be very corrupt. Especially early in Batman's career, Gotham is extremely corrupt, and there's a lot of corruption that could be, you know, could be focused on and dealt with by bringing somebody else in. So, did you guys catch that? Yeah, I did. I think, you know, that's just more of an indication that, um, you know, there is going to be a larger, so the the main plot is going to be woven in with, you know, a political storyline, possibly an economic storyline, because it looked like a stock exchange at one point. Um, And, you know, and that's going to be itself connected to sort of the political and financial capital that the Wayne family have. And I think there are two shots in the trailer where, you know, it focuses on, you know, the, the Wayne insignia on the cufflinks. So I, and, and there's a sense that it's, there's something that, you know, the Riddler is doing that is tied to Bruce's parents or something that they may, may or may not have done in the past. Uh, so I am looking forward to see how that all uh, gets tied together. I definitely think there's um, uh, exposing of the elite in Gotham. 
and I just got done reading uh, Curse of the White Knight. I don't know if you guys have read that, but a big part of that is how the elites have been running Gotham this whole time, and Batman should have been concentrating on white-collar crime instead of just the street level and the super criminals just as much. So I really think that's what the big um, twist is uh, in the movie where Riddler's exposing at, and now he calls it a cesspool of a city, and he's going to be taking everybody down from top to the bottom. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the other major things with the scope is that there's this sequence that takes place towards the end where there's explosions going off around Gotham City. And during that exact same sequence, we see some a bunch of different flashes of different scenes. But one of the scenes is Gotham from above as a storm of water, a wall of water actually, just like engulfs the street, the main street within the city. And so much so that like a city bus is being pushed along. So this is a lot of water. Um, some people have said online that they think it could be something having to do with Riddler blowing dams of some sort and letting loose a bunch of water or something like that. There's another sequence towards the end where Batman has a flare and he's in the water and there's some GCPD officers who also have flares and he's kind of, it, it appears as if he's leading them into something uh, and they're going in there together to deal with whatever it is. It's hard to know exactly how they're all, you know, how everything is edited together because they can obviously edit these trailers however they want and it could be very different than the final project um but there's a bunch of different stuff that stands out when it comes to the editing specifically there's that whole sequence where bruce is saying uh or alfred you've lied to me all this time and then uh riddler says something about you know i know your secret uh, and then he says, Bruce Wayne, if you listen so closely, it does not appear as if it's the same exact time that this, he's saying that. It feels like it's a different, it's being said at a different time. It's not like flowing all one in, on one wavelength. It's, it's on a slightly different, which means it could have been said at a different point, which is you know, implies that we're supposed to believe that Riddler knows Bruce Wayne's secret, that he is Batman, or that Batman is Bruce Wayne. That's what it implies, but I feel like that's such a huge thing to reveal within the confines of a trailer that that wouldn't be the case. I feel like that's a red herring by itself. What do you guys think of that one? Definitely agree. I, I wrote that for the say part of my uh, five things where, because I don't think give that away in a trailer, such a big story beat that the, the main villain knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman and I did catch that how there was a weird edit point so I think maybe that Riddler if he's going after the wealthy families in Gotham there's no person more wealthier than Bruce Wayne so he might have a face of face with Bruce Wayne himself not knowing that Bruce Wayne is Batman so that's what I think at one point in the trailer in the movie yeah I think there were two there are two instances in the trailer where I think what you're referring to happens i think at the end where catwoman says come on vengeance if you listen really carefully on like uh you know re-listen or rewatch or whatever it almost sounds like she's saying it like skeptically or like as a way to like poke fun at him not as a way of like being serious uh and so i think a lot of people took that seriously but to, to your point about you know bruce wayne i i think it is a, a red herring i don't think they would reveal that in the trailer because so I don't remember the uh, the trailers for Dark Knight Rises, but I remember when I was and I, I don't think I really watched any of them. But I remember when I was in the theater, and he's about to fight Bane, and Bane says, "You know, let's not stand on ceremony here." And then he pauses and says, "Mr. Wayne," 
that was a big moment. I wouldn't have wanted to see that in a trailer, right? I wanted to see that in a movie because that that really hits you different. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think I think that is a, definitely a red herring as far as the 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 water. Uh, if you know Riddler is a lot of his rhetoric so far that we've heard in the trailers, you know, Gotham being accessible. So, I mean, maybe in his mind, let's, let's wash it clean kind of thing. I mean, he thinks he takes that literally. Uh, maybe he's trying to exploit um, weaknesses in Gotham's infrastructure. And maybe he's pointing out those weaknesses. That's his, you know, sick plan or whatever. So, uh, it kind of reminded me a bit of No Man's Land a bit, just the, the visuals uh, there. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to see how that works. BJ, speaking of your article, let's talk about some of the other stuff that you brought up in your article. Uh, specifically, it's called TBU Five Things: The Batman, um, the Batman Theories, and this is all derived from the the third trailer that we've seen. But some of this dives into some of the stuff that we've also already seen as well. You already brought. We already obviously talked about um, the does Riddler know Bruce Wayne? But what are some of the other items that you brought up? What are some of the other things that you're thinking about? I do think it's very interesting how we haven't seen Paul Dano's actual face. And I don't know if that, that has to be intentional, but is it to add the creepiness factor of him? Is there something else? I don't think he has a big question mark scar on his face because that seems very almost Batman 66-ish, almost too goofy for this kind of grounded world we that he has. And we've only seen him with that green mask and the glasses which is cool but is there something else is there something under that that's i think they just went out his face just to kind of add to the spectacle of it make it more make it more of a mystery in some ways i have to wonder if the reason we haven't seen his face is because he is he's trying to point out that he's not even though he's trying to be smarter than batman and he's having this like conflict not even conflict but like competition with batman i think that he does he wants to remain in the shadows in the sense of he doesn't want to be out he's not like the joker who's going to be out in front of everybody and saying all of this stuff in front of everybody he wants to blend in so in that sequence at the end when we see multiple people in the exact same outfit if you don't know who he is it's hard to figure out which one he is. And that sequence might not even take place at the end. That might take place in the middle of the movie. And then one of them gets arrested and they're all trying to figure out who it is. That whole sequence with the henchmen, when they were trying to, you know, when they were fighting, there's like three of them. They're all in the exact same outfit. They're all holding the exact same weapon. And I thought to myself, this reminds me of the scene from The Dark Knight when Joker is trying to trick the SWAT team who's infiltrating that skyscraper with the hostage to free the hostages and the hostages are dressed as the clowns and the the terrorists or henchmen or whatever you want to call them the thugs they're all dressed like the doctors and they're the real threat but the clowns have guns taped to their hands and they don't have anything and i feel like that's what's kind of i get that vibe it's not obviously the same thing it's not the same situation but i feel like you're on to something with the reason they're not showing his face. Because even in the trailer, the second trailer, where they arrest him at the coffee diner, they don't show his face. And that could build the creepiness by itself. But I feel like if he, as the Riddler, only appears a specific way, because let's be honest, let's have a domino mask. The character typically has his face completely exposed in normal stories. So I feel like there definitely has to be a reason for that. Yeah, that, that kind of feels on brand for a character who, you know, tries to push Batman to his intellectual limits. Uh, I feel like this would be a challenge, like, 
just an extra layer, right, where you, you kind of don't know where he's coming from. I mean, the person in the coffee shop might not have even been him, right, as far as we know. It could have just been someone who's posing as him. Yep. Uh, I mean, other other shows have kind of used that uh, for henchmen or whatever. But uh, I, I th- And then, you know, the what you mentioned about, you know, Batman going into the tunnel with the flare and stuff – that's also on brand, you know, Joe, um, sorry, Riddler loves, you know, his puzzles and, and, and all that stuff. So, and traps. So I think we'll see Batman try and, and solve some of those before the movie's over. It almost feels like it gives it almost like a, a jigsaw f- feel from the saw movies where there could be traps and, uh, tests and things like that. And unfortunately, if Batman fails, that's that could be one of the reasons the explosions are going off. That could be one of the reasons the floods happening in the middle of Gotham City. I actually would love to see that trap aspect because that's not something that we see that much as much as it used to be focused on when it came to Riddler. Um, I think the 60 series is is you know best known for a lot of the goofy traps when it comes to a lot of the villains but i think when it comes to these more grounded elements there's so many stories nowadays that have done stuff like that and it works well that i'd love to be able to see that in this in this film you know one of the things i keep thinking about is when chris nolan was doing the films one of the characters that kept coming up over and over again that people wanted to see if he was going to do another one. Like after he did Batman Begins and we knew he was going to go into the Joker, the question was, okay, if he does another movie, who do you want to see? And I don't know that a lot of people were expecting Bane. I'm glad they did Bane because it cast Bane in a better light than the previous version in Batman and Robin that we saw Bane. However, I would say that I think Riddler was one of the characters that I always remember coming up is we really want to see a grounded version of Riddler in this universe that Chris Nolan created. And I think Matt Reeves, in some ways, or at least he has said that he's trying to create in some ways, even a more grounded universe than what we saw from Chris Nolan, which is almost hard to believe. But I think it's more of like uh, that crime noir that we, you know, that we're not necessarily used to that mystery aspect that we're not so used to. It's not so much about the fantastical gadgets. Not that he won't have gadgets, but it's not about the fantastical gadgets that he might have had or explained certain aspects of what he was doing. If Chris Nolan's Batman was the tech-driven Batman, Matt Reeves' Batman is the mystery and detective-driven Batman, and I think that's the discerning the the discerning factor between the two and the Riddler. I, I, I honestly, I, I really, Riddler's really one of my favorite villains because of how he pushes Batman, and I cannot wait to see what happens with this. Yeah, can I can I just add on one more point to to Riddler? Is um, do you do you all think that there's a possibility that this version of Riddler knew Bruce Wayne uh, when they were younger? Because I've seen that's one of the sort of theories that's kind of been floated out on the internet. I, I don't know what you all think of that, but. There's, there are some shots in the trailer. Um, I think there's some like news clippings or, or whatever where um, it looks or it appears as if um, Riddler knew the Waynes or, or knew Bruce Wayne long, a long time ago and something happened there that is causing him to do what he's doing now. Do you think that's part of it or do you think it's just more general? Or do you think it's personal or general, rather? So there's a element that takes place in the trailer and it kind of... Uh doesn't show up in the trailer but there's an image that is has been released that has something to do with something that they showed in the trailer there's that sequence in the very first trailer from 2020 that 
uh, Riddler's taping up that that man's face. He's wrapping his face up with duct tape. You can tell he's killing him, and he's clearly he, he they're in a house of of a lot of money. They've got money, high class. That's what that's what they are. Interestingly, there was a there was an image that just released. It was a behind the scenes image of Matt Reeves directing Robert Pattinson in that exact same house after he comes into the house when the GCPD kind of like make the make make the hallway so that he can walk straight through and they're playing that music the Nirvana music from the uh, first trailer in that sequence and that image there's actually you find you see that there's a boy who's been left behind after that that man has been killed so presumably the father was murdered by Riddler and there's a boy who's left behind that kind of leads into that theory of maybe he does know there is something there. Maybe he knows, at the very least, maybe not that, that Bruce Wayne is Batman, but that he's trying to get to Bruce Wayne by creating scenarios that would appeal to Bruce Wayne, not realizing that he's enticing Batman at the same time. Yeah, I've seen I've seen certain videos like on the internet, like trailer breakdowns, that some of them have crazy theories, but some of them can... Um legitimacy to him like I heard a video saying that Riddler was an orphan maybe he's almost uh, like Danny DeVito-esque uh, Batman Returns kind of going after the uh, orphans of Gotham um, in a different, in a more serious way at least yeah that's really interesting I didn't, never thought of how um, well he's not Enigma in this right he's Nashton so maybe knew Bruce as a kid or was at the Wayne orphanage or something or something along those lines. Well, to put the Nashton thing out there, I know that the everything that's for the film is saying that it's Edward Nashton. And in the comics, the Riddler was Edward Nashton. He actually then legally changed his name to Edward Nigma. So that that's how that that gets explained. So it is all the same person. So anybody out there who's thinking, oh, this is a different different Riddler. This is a different character. It's all the same. So there's no, no worries about that. Um, one other thing that I want to touch on BJ with your article before we get to some of our news briefs for the week is the, the larger mystery. The, is there another twist coming? Talk me through your theory on that. Kind of goes back to like we talked about the beginning with, um, the elites and the wealthy families in Gotham being attacked. And if, the wealthy families in Gotham being attacked, they're not going to just sit there and take it and let some random vigilante uh, them. They kind of want, they're going to want to fight back. And I think that goes back into, like I said in the article, who is um, the Court of Owls? Who runs the Court of Owls? The wealthy families, the old money in Gotham, and maybe going to step up and try to take out uh, the Riddler and then all of a sudden Batman's caught in between some war between Riddler and the Court of Owls or... If back to Riddler, maybe the Court of Owls sets up a sequel. So there is, I do think there has to be another twist coming. If this is this psychological thriller that we're kind of being presented almost kind of like a seven, and though there's a this twist and turns in that, I think we're going to get a twist and turn in this one. I definitely agree. I think that surprisingly, I think people put too much credit on these trailers as revealing a lot, and there's always going to be reveals and twists but i think that most like i can say this with all honesty when the dark knight came out there was only a couple of twists that that 
that I didn't, I was unaware of. And there was so much marketing for The Dark Knight leading up to it. And I was so dialed into every single clip, every single trailer, every single interview. I was so absolutely dialed into what was going on when that movie was being marketed prior to it coming out that I was sitting in the movie theater opening night and some of my friends kept telling me to shut up because I kept quoting some of the lines for a movie that it was releasing at that exact moment. And I don't think that's going to be the case with this. I think even though we've seen three trailers, it's entirely possible we might get another trailer. I wouldn't put money on another trailer, but I would say that it's possible. It was It's possible that we see one more trailer, but honestly, I don't know that we need another trailer. I think that the trailers that we've gotten so far, they do a great job of showing the different aspects of what we can expect in this this upcoming film, and I think it builds anticipation. So the, I want to I wanna end the discussion on the, the trailer by talking about one last thing, which is we... I you know we're all really anticipating this movie but specifically with this third trailer tell me a couple of different things that you've seen in this trailer that really gets you excited about this film that you that that you weren't excited about prior to the release of this trailer um I remember when Ben Affleck was casted as Batman that that seemed going to lean more into the more comic book elements of of that we like and then when switched with all the craziness happened and Pattinson became Batman and this we became more of a grounded universe Batman I was kind of afraid that we were going to go back to more of the Nolan E stuff but this trailer when I saw Batman it was even in the last trailer too when Batman came crashing down however far he did that kind of looked out of a comic book and he's taking down guys with guns he's getting hit with those bullets um i don't know why they're not shooting him in the head they're kind of going right at his chest but i i like that it looks straight out of a comic book and that like one clip of batman crashing all the way down um kind of put my faith that maybe this is going to be grounded but it's going to lean into a little little more of comic book uh elements yeah i i don't know that there's anything that i saw in this trailer that was new in the sense that i i mean that i hadn't seen it before i wasn't expecting it in this film and i think what bj mentioned is the aspect of the action sequences specifically that i am most excited about because i think one of the biggest weaknesses of the nolan trilogy uh was the action um i think the editing of the action sequences the choreography of the action sequences left a lot to be desired in places and i think you don't like it doesn't just because a movie is um realistic quote-unquote realistic and i think it's important for batman movies to be realistic uh doesn't mean you can't have the cool comic book style shots uh you know as you know bj referred to batman coming through and i think someone on twitter actually did a, a gif of like that exact shot in almost all the batman movies because i think that every batman has kind of done that keaton did it bale did it and then um you know uh Addison has already done it in the trailer so that's cool to see. And I mean, even the, the fight uh, at the end at the stock, stock exchange where, uh, you know, the, the the henchmen with the guns are shooting at him and he's taking them out. And we've seen in previous trailers when he's at, I guess, what looks to be a club. It looks like almost like Arkham style combat, which I think is kind of cool uh, for a movie. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's really it for me. I mean, do you want to talk about uh, how people are reacting to, to the Waynes as well? Or do you want to leave that? 
No, yeah, why not? Let's talk about that. Uh, let me let me uh, touch on what excited me, and it just goes. It, it's just repeating what we said earlier. The scope. Uh, th- there's a lot more action in this trailer than the previous trailers, like you both said. But I think that you see some shots that we didn't see before, and I think a lot of that has to do with the movie was still being edited. Some of those shots are going to be stuff that you're only going to be seeing after it's created. Uh, the explosions across Gotham, the flood, those scenes is not something we've seen before. The sequence where Batman's in the water with the flare, there's just some amazing, like absolute amazing shots. And that's true of every single one of these trailers, but each trailer delivers on some like great shots of Batman. You know, you the 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 ones that stand out to me, this the last trailer in October that released was Batman going through that tunnel pitch black tunnel, gunfire going off, and he is just storming through, taking out guys. That was the moment for me in that trailer. This one, it was that moment where he's coming together with the GCPD, and and, and you see that red glare of the the flare in off the water reflecting on him. You see it being the only light source for the the entire people around him. That was what was me. I I mean, like in all honesty, like I think that's. For a lot of this film, because of how it all played out with when it was coming out, when it was initially coming out, when it is actually coming out, and all of that, I think there was moments that you had to think to yourself, not not that they weren't going to deliver a great movie, but what was what really is the scope of this movie? I mean, we've heard Grounded, we've heard uh, Thriller, we've heard the Riddler referred to as, you know, being based off of like a serial killer. Those types of films are not like huge films. I'm glad to see that despite the fact that we're getting all this other stuff that I really want to see in a Batman film, we're still seeing all that action and the scope that should be for, let's be honest, the best superhero ever. But yes, let's go back to the Wayne mystery because that that's something. there's something big there and there's a lot of theories on that. Yeah, so I mean, I'm excited for this. Uh, and I think BJ mentioned in his article as well that it is drawing from the Telltale series. Most, I think, fans would agree with that assessment um you know some people are not as big fans of that and that's okay but um i find the knee-jerk reactions uh kind of i wouldn't say worrying but for lack of a better word but like kind of weird kind of strange because um not every adaptation is going to be exactly like the comics, right? And I think this is the difference between... So there are two things, right? I think the way people absorb this information is going to be determined, unfortunately, sometimes by their political outlook and two, by their um, by not being able to sort of distinguish between this being a story uh, versus reality. And here's what I mean by that, is that... There are certain people who like to criticize Batman as a hero, uh, criticize the Waynes. Oh, he's a billionaire. He can't be, you know, a force for justice. And I think that's wrong, right? Like, that's just flat out. I think we'd all say that's flat out wrong. Um, Money isn't inherently evil. Um, What you do with it, it counts. And I think Batman's an example of a hero who puts his money to good use. And I think with this movie, we are going to start to see him work the system on both ends. He's going to be working as Batman, but he's going to use, you know, eventually start to come to use the Wayne political and economic capital to help Gotham City. Um, As far as the Waynes, I mean, if we're we're really doing a realistic take on this, 
it seems very unlikely to me that in this world there would be someone who amasses that level of fortune with just being a complete saint. It it's not really something that's possible. It's not really something that happens realistically. Now, I like the version of the the canon version of the Waynes as these saintly figures. I think that's important and I think we can acknowledge that it has its place and I wouldn't want it to be removed as the sort of dominant uh representation of the Waynes. But, you know, with an adaptation you get license to kind of do things a bit differently. And if this if this is choosing to do that in the way that kind of the Telltale series did that, I'm fine with it because it's bringing something fresh to the table and um, it's looking at the character. And it, it doesn't mean that Batman isn't a hero. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love his parents. It doesn't mean that the vow he made is any less important, right? It just means that realistically, maybe he realized, yeah, you know, my parents, maybe they were a bit flawed, but that's okay. To me, that makes him more heroic, right? That he's still adhering to the ideals and standards and code that he set himself even though he finds out that, oh, there's all this uh, negativity or what he, would, what he would say is, you know, not so great behavior in his family's history. So for him to continue to do what he does despite that makes him more heroic, not less heroic. So, I mean, that's just my take on it. I agree. I mean, a lot of people, <clears throat> if it's leaning the way we think it is, where Thomas Wayne was a little shady... And that'll set up a that'll set off a lot of fans, and they'll go crazy on the internet and Twitter, and they'll um, review bomb it and everything. But I mean, we're always going to have the perfect Thomas Wayne in the comic books and in certain versions in the animated series. So I don't mind a different take on different characters to keep it fresh, like you said. And that's why this Batman's lasted for eighty plus years. Is that there's always different things added to the mythos and certain stories to adapt from and add to and that's the way we get uh that's the way it is that's the way it is i mean it's not gonna dampen the movie any less for me if it's like it i think it's gonna be fine yeah i agree to uh, a degree um so my my take on this is i think what the overall mystery is is that there is this there is this corruption that that goes deeper than just the politicians that we see in Gotham City. And I think part of that is, like you were saying, the Wayne family money had to come from somewhere. There are stories that show further generations back, not necessarily Thomas Wayne, further generations back when Gotham was established, the Waynes were prominent and were one of four families that were extremely prominent. And they they participated in some stuff that wasn't exactly great and uh, wasn't exactly a something that you would consider a good thing. And they, they profited from it. That's not to say that Thomas Wayne necessarily has to be the one who, you know, did bad things. But they could also go the route of, you know, Carmine Falcone. We know that he's in this film. Um, he could have a connection to Thomas Wayne. The way that it has been seen, we've seen it in some other film, or not films, but we've seen it in some other stories where Thomas Wayne is kind of forced into helping Carmine Falcone, um, specifically because Thomas Wayne's a doctor and he is, he's moral to such a point that he's going to help 
somebody who's hurts regardless of whether or not they're a good person or a bad person. That's just how he is. And that by itself could attribute the connection to corruption that somebody like Thomas Wayne could have. And that could be what Riddler is referring to. There's a lot of different stories that cast that doubt on Thomas Wayne without actually being making Thomas Wayne the person who is the bad one. And there's also, it's, it's not a secret that the Wayne family in general you know, they've profited off of bad things in the past. And there's there's a lot of that. So I think there's a lot of different ways this could go. So I think the people who get like really upset about the possibility of Thomas Wayne being this bad person, I think, again, we're jumping to conclusions, just like some people were jumping to conclusions that this Batman is too violent. And that's just, you know, you have to see the film first before you can pass judgment. And I think the people are passing judgment off of these trailers they, they, they've gone too long without a Batman movie. I mean, let's be honest. This is, that's just what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some mystery there with the Waynes. And who's to say that, you know, if it does turn out that Thomas Wayne is bad, I'm still okay with that because it is, like Otto said, it's, it's, it, it's an interpretation of source material. It does not have to be straight, you know, a, a, a direct adaptation of what we see in the comics or what we've seen in other films. I mean, I don't think that's entirely necessary, but um, I, I don't see it the way some people are seeing it with Thomas Wayne being the one that the evil can be attributed back to. I think that there's other aspects of the Wayne family that that can be that can happen, or that can be easily twisted to, for us to believe that at first, but then not be the case. All right, so... To wrap up the episode, we got a couple of quick news briefs. The first one is, uh, we've talked about the Batgirl movie a couple of times. Uh, the Batgirl movie is actually in the middle of, a, or it's right in the, it's right about to start filming. Literally, set, location, filming photos are popping up as we speak. I guarantee you, within the next week or two, we're going to see official shots of Batgirl in her costume because it's bound to leak one way or the other if they don't. I'm sure we're probably going to end up seeing Firefly in a suit if Firefly is the villain. There's a new rumor going around online that one of the other actors that was cast for the film could be playing Killer Moth. Um, if these characters are intended to be filmed outside... We will see those. We will see those characters in costume prior to the filming taking place outside. It's just it's bound to happen. Um, that just it always happens. I mean, Robert Pattinson in his suit was released before they got that. You know, the the spy photos could leak a photo of him in his bat suit. So it's only a matter of time before we see that. But one of the things that we talked about the last time we mentioned the Batgirl film was that the directors of the film they were talking about how. Their version of the or their their film takes place in a universe that will represent the real Batman is the way they put it. And at the time, everyone was like, well, who's going to be the Batman? Because it's kind of a toss up because of a lot of different elements. One, J.K. Simmons is reprising his role as Commissioner Gordon, who previously was Commissioner Gordon connected to Ben Affleck and the Snyderverse movies like Batman vs. Superman, which he wasn't in, but he was in Justice League as Commissioner Gordon. So Jeffrey Wright obviously is is Commissioner Gordon, or James Gordon, that is, in Matt Reeves' version. So you know that that's not necessarily connected if there's different Commissioner Gordons or different James Gordons. 
And then the question is, well, who's the Batman? It's very unlikely it's going to be Pattinson because Pattinson's doing, Matt Reeves is doing his own universe right now that's separate from everything else going on, but they're doing a Batgirl film. So the question is, where does this Batgirl film kind of fit in? And you know for a fact that it hypothetically would be fitting into the same universe as the Harley Quinn movie that's, or Birds of Prey and Harley Quinn movie because the same writer is attached to the film that, is, that that was attached to the Birds of Prey film. So you can assume that it would be the same, which would explain the necessity for J.K. Simmons to return because of all the connections of the characters that have been in the Snyder films and the Snyder verse, as, as some people put it. But the thing that uh, kind of puts a hiccup in that is that it was revealed that Michael Keaton is actually going to be playing Batman, or, well, they didn't say he was playing Batman, but they said he's going to be in the Batgirl film. So the question is, why is is Michael Keaton going to be in this film? Obviously, as we've talked about in the past, this film is going to be being released after the Flash film that comes out in November, and we know that film is going to be doing some stuff with the multiverse, but could they really be going the route of Michael Keaton being Batman when the Flash returns to the main universe, and it goes in such a, an odd direction that Michael Keaton, who's currently in his 70s, is going to be Batman, and Batgirl is going to be just coming into the role of the character? So I... I- I mean, I've done some, this is all speculation, obviously. Um, this is just me doing internet sleuthing uh, on this topic. I've seen some very, um, at least for me, what I, what I consider uh, concerning rumors about this uh, film. Apparently, um, the idea is that Michael Keaton is going to sort of pass the mantle on to, to Batgirl as like, the next and so Affleck's going to be gone with whatever happens in the Flash movie. He's going to be sort of continuity out of 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 of, of it all, and then Keaton's going to be the Batman who's remaining. And I think um, this is also speculation, but um, Supergirl is going to replace Henry Cavill's Superman. He's also going to be gone through this continuity shift that's supposed to happen in this film. And then um, you know. Keaton Batman passes the mantle on to this to Batgirl and she's the one who's going to carry the torch for I don't think Michael Keaton at 70 is going to be doing doing much I think they're just going to have him there to you know promo the movie and then pass the role on to Batgirl I don't think it's more than that yeah I think it's he's almost going to be like um Bruce Wayne was in Batman Beyond where he's just sitting at the computer and telling it left duck right punch this guy there and like um things like that it's really it's just strange i don't know i guess we'll it'll fit into place more once we see some images or a trailer or once we see the flash movie really and how confusing or this is going to be because when you were explaining it dustin you it threw me for a loop really of uh the of confusion on where everything's going to fit and where affleck is and it's who knows yeah, it's a it's a very twisted, jumbled mess right now. I can say that I've also seen those exact same rumors about Supergirl replacing Superman and Batgirl replacing Batman. And I will say, I I I wish it wasn't true, but I can almost see that happening. And the reason I say that is not because 
Cavill is, you know, he couldn't return as Superman. I'm sure he would return as Superman if he was paid the right amount of money and he had the time to do it. And he, they were doing projects that he actually wanted to do because I don't think he's as pleased with the films that he did as, as a lot of people would assume he would be based off of the certain reaction from a certain uh, subgroup of fans out there. Um, but I, I, I think that he really wants to have like a really good story. And I don't think anybody out there right now is adamant about not only doing a story, but somehow picking up the pieces of what happened while he has been Superman. I, I just don't think anybody really wants to do that right now. If anybody comes in, they're going to want to tell their own take on Superman. And we all know what typically happens when any character, they want to do something different with. It takes some time in between one version of a character and another version in order for them to make it happen. Um, except for Batman. Uh, it's the one catch. You, you see a lot of Batman all the time. It's just how it goes. Um, but that's because Batman's extremely popular. And I hate to say it for the Superman fans out there, but he's more popular than than Superman. So um, there's there's some problems with this. But the thing, the reason why I kind of feel like this could end up being true is because of Christina Hodson, the, the the writer of not only the Flash film, but also the Batgirl film, and the the decisions that have been made in some of her other works. Um, I'm specifically looking at the Birds of Prey movie. I think some of the characters in that film were portrayed exactly like you would expect them to be portrayed. And I think some of the characters in that film was name recognition only, I'm looking at Cassandra Kane. There was no reason to include that character in that film other than having, uh, unfortunately, Asian representation in the film because that was how they got it was by having this character who is Asian, who's probably the most prominent Asian representation within the Bat family outside of when you get to Damian Wayne uh, later on. Um, I don't, I don't think that that, See, we have eventually we should go back and we should rewatch Birds of Prey and discuss the film. But Birds of Prey does a lot of odd choices when it comes to certain things. It doesn't really feel like they're building anything, it feels like they're just introducing characters. Um, so much so that, like, obviously, spoiler alert, Black Mask dies at the end. And Black Mask, I think, was one of the good things about that film. I think that Black Mask. And the way Ian McGregor played the character was really well. And then they just kind of killed him off. And that's not to say that Flashpoint or Flash or whatever they're doing with the Flash movie couldn't bring the character back. Because that's also been a long-standing rumor. But I feel like they don't have a firm grip on what they're doing. Someone decided with Hodson to give her a chance to do the Birds of Prey movie. For whatever reason, she had two other scripts already in in you know in the pocket or in you know in the bag uh, to say with Warner Brothers for them to potentially go off and do the Flash and then obviously do the Batgirl film and the Birds of Prey film was not crazy successful. I mean, it didn't do horrible. It also came out a very bad time of the. Uh, Right, it came out right before the global pandemic, but it didn't do extremely well. So it's hard to say why they thought that this would be the direction that they need to go. Meanwhile, you've got a lot of creators out there that probably are chomping at the bit to work with some of these characters. And 
the, if anything, if we're just looking at Birds of Prey and we're looking at how that movie turned out, I don't know that I'm super anxious about or super anticipating what we see with happening with Flash and seeing what we see with the Batgirl film. Because I feel like there's not a, exactly a great grip on what happens with these characters and how these characters exist. Having Barbara Gordon show up at the end of Batman's career doesn't, to me, make a lot of sense. Passing the mantle onto her, I guess, if you're going to go like a Batman Beyond route, that's fine. But then why wouldn't you just do the Batman Beyond route? Why? And then why are we still using James Gordon from one of the other films? Like, there's there's so many bits and pieces about this the the casting for this film when it takes place the fact that it's coming out after the flash we know that there's going to be some timeline shenanigans going on there's some weird stuff going on and i think that unfortunately i just i i it's probably my least anticipated uh batman film coming out in the near future is the batgirl film just because there's so little known and there's so many things that could go incredibly the wrong direction yeah i think the, one of the problems is like they're trying to sit on the fence with this instead of picking a lane and going with it. And I think there are two lanes that they have to go in. Either they they continue with the Snyder stuff and just ignore, uh, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman or Henry Cavill's, just like kind of ignore the fact that they even happen. Just go all in with you know Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash, etc. Or lane two is um, you just go all in on, on the new characters, which is, um, you know, Leslie Grace is kind of around the same age as Robert Pattinson. They kind of line up together. It would make sense, you know, even if it's not directly connected to what Matt Reeves is doing, you know, this Batgirl movie apparently draws inspiration from the Burnside series. She could be operating out of, like, you know, a little part of, like, an outskirt part of Gotham, you know, that's kind of on its own. It's connected to the main thing, but kind of on its own as well. Um, I don't think they can do this. I don't understand why there has to be a story reason for Affleck and Cavill disappearing. I don't think the average audience cares. I think if they just recast or if they just ignored it, it would be just as fine. You know, I'd probably be better actually. Yeah. I, I was going to say the recast is the, the, the third option in my opinion, because I think that you could keep the characters around and just recast them. I think the problem is that, they're so in the mud when it comes to what happened with everything related to the Snyder films that it's almost like they can't get out of the mud. It's like we either have to chop our leg off, leave Affleck in the mud and move on to something else, or we have to just start fresh with something completely different. And then that character just stays in the mud too. I mean, I don't, I don't really understand the necessity for it because I feel like it's also a weird direction. I mean, I'm not saying you can't have Batgirl as part of like the, 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 the group of characters like with Wonder Woman and Aquaman and stuff like that. But there's also like a, just a, a sheer level of what's the, what's, what's the expectation for this film in the first place. If she's supposed to replace Batman, why is this film going directly to HBO max? I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that, a film can't go to HBO Max, but I thought the whole intent of this film going to HBO Max as an exclusive was that it's it's kind of telling like a side story. It will focus on Batgirl. There will be an existing Batman and stuff like that, but it's Barbara Gordon's story. It's not Batman's story. It's not 
you know, she'll face off against villains that she typically would be associated with. That's what I assumed. I didn't think of it as, and and obviously, I don't want to jump to conclusions to say it's a foregone conclusion that that she is taking over the role of of you know of the Bat character within Gotham City with Michael Keaton. I think that maybe the Michael Keaton thing. I, I wish this would be the case, but I wish it was a swerve where it was just like he's there and nobody knows really why. And suddenly we we find out that he they, they kind of do like a flashback and he's not Bruce Wayne. He's actually Thomas Wayne or something like that where like there's some weird connections that happen where the Flash movie resets things and Michael Keaton just happens to be Thomas Wayne. And we see some flashbacks of how Batman came to be and they recast they cast a new Batman, and that Batman then can go do their own thing that combines with the other characters, and then Matt Reeves can continue on his thing outside of the other characters. I, <sighs> The only other way they could explain this is if they, they really tried to hammer in the different Earths, and they say, well, this is taking place on one Earth, this is taking place on another, and I know that's been hinted at in some of the interviews with the Matt Reeves Batman taking place the same time as the Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton Batman. I know that they're trying to like figure out how to do that, but they're not explaining it to the mainstream to make them understand. And I don't think the mainstream need to know exactly how the Earths work, except for when they do something like this. If they really go out of their way to like create some sort of elaborate story path to make this try to work, and if it doesn't work, it's going to be bad. But if they explained it where it was like, oh, there's multiple Earths, and that Batman is a different one, or this one's a different one, I think that some people would get it, especially with the preemptive uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse coming out. We just saw the Spider-Man. I think that it would be more accepted than some of the other options out there where you just completely eliminate characters. But yes, this film has me extremely worried. And it's, it's going to be compared to the, those Marvel films as well, right? And I'm not, I'm not entirely optimistic that it's going to do it better. I mean, Marvel has built up their universe for multiple movies before they even thought of doing, bringing in the multiverse concept. So, I mean, I think they're going to, people are going to compare it to that. And I mean, it's not like the average uh, audience member has a very high opinion of DC films right now. Uh, I think this is a very ambitious and totally unnecessary risk for Warner Brothers to be trying to pull off. I mean, we'll see. I, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I mean, I'm not very optimistic it'll work out. My issue with the DC films is that they try to fast forward right to Justice League as like their third movie, where Marvel, they each character go to solo movie and then boom, the Avengers. And with Marvel, see, it was already the second movie. And we had Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Hints of the Flash, Cyborg, Aquaman. And then we killed off Superman in his second appearance. So they tried to just fast forward everything and they got caught way too. They got caught with their pants down, to be quite frank. And um, and now they're paying for it with um, confusing timelines. And, and I don't think we'll ever see Henry Cavill as Superman again because it's been nine. We'll never get another. If they wanted to do a Henry Cavill Superman movie, they would have done it by now. And it's been nine. It's been 2013 was Man of Steel, and we've never gonna direct sequel or uh, his own solo movie since then. So yeah, I think the time for Cavill's passed. But there's a way they could do it where oh, um, Superman's off world in space. They could just recast Affleck, but 
I don't think they'll, they're not going to do that, clearly. It's interesting, too, because there's been comments from Affleck recently that were posted talking about how he really appreciated the version of his character that's appearing in The Flash. And, you know, he's happy, he's, he's, he's most happy with this interpretation of the character, which in some ways kind of spits in the face of the Snyderverse because this is not Snyder doing the character which he has been associated with so much. But also keep in mind that Affleck also wanted to eventually go and do his own solo movie and was planning on directing his solo movie and all that. So he wanted to be involved. And I think it kind of just got squashed because of everything that was going on with the necessity to get get to this Justice League movie as fast as they did. The one thing that I wanted to bring up that going back to the Supergirl replacing Superman and the Batgirl replacing Batman, that feels like what Marvel's trying to do right now where some of their top tier characters that were around for like almost 10 years, you know, they, they, they've, they're done, you know, Captain America, Iron Man, they're no longer around. We've got new blood coming in. They're introducing newer characters, but the the, the difference is, we had multiple movies establishing characters. We had full story arcs, four characters, full character arcs that develop these characters and the characters that we appreciate. Then they are when they're gone, you you miss them. But the thing is, during the the, the points where the characters were getting towards the end of, let's say their trilogy or their their story arc or their character arc. We were being introduced to like the next generation of characters. Black Panther wasn't around in the original group of, of characters. You know, we had lots of characters, that, you know, to a degree, the Guardians of the Galaxy, they were introduced later on. Not every character was introduced in that first core group of characters before the Avengers movie. We had like a, a small select group. By the time the, the next Avengers movie had, we had a couple of more characters. By the time Infinity War and Endgame came around, we had a lot more characters. And they still are going to be doing a lot more characters going forward. Now they've got all these other characters are going to be popping up on Disney+. Plus. They're, they're, they did it smart. And it's unfortunate because it feels like we're working in this... at the, DC is trying to work at the exact same speed as or not not speed but level they're they're trying to jump to the level that marvel's at without you know completing the first leg of the race or the second leg of the race uh more set of questions is that picture we uh came out from batgirl where had batman and robin really there's a robin in this universe so who's the robin is chris o'donnell coming back there's a whole nother uh, set of questions to ask yeah the, the other thing too i mean um when you're comparing and contrasting with Marvel is the DC characters that we were talking about them replacing are some of the characters that have the highest name recognition in the genre. Yep. Bar none, like Batman, Superman, these are global icons. These aren't just, you know, run of the mill superhero or comic book characters. The Marvel characters for the general audience, that was for most of them, the first time they've ever come into contact with those characters. This is the first time people heard of Iron Man. First time people heard of Thor. You know, people have heard of Spider Man and, you know, Hulk. But most of the big time Marvel characters, people hadn't heard of them before. So it was also important for them to, to do those movies. And I think it's important to do those movies anyway. But um, replacing them is not as or not having them around isn't going to be as big a shock as not having a Batman or Superman on the Justice League. Like that, that just feels wrong on a, on just a very fundamental level. I'm not saying that they can't be replaced eventually, 
uh, whether they age out or die or whatever. But I feel like they have to serve for like a good amount of time first before, you know, they're eventually replaced. However, you know, that's done. I think the other thing is just look at it from the perspective of how many different long running characters have been recast. There's a ton. I mean, the Marvel movies did a really good job of not having to recast any of their main characters. Black Panther, depending on what they end up doing with it, and they said they're not recasting um, that role within Black Panther because of Chadwick Boseman passing. But the reality of it is they've gotten extremely lucky with not having to recast anybody. But that's not to say that they couldn't have recast. Well, I should say they didn't recast anybody that was – large status uh, name recognition when it came to the title character, because obviously they did recast certain characters. However, I think the thing is when you look at the Batman movies, the, there was, there was, I mean, there was three different actors who played Batman in the span of 10 years. You look at the James Bond franchise, look at how many different characters actors have played James Bond over the years. And we're about to go, you know, we're about to enter a new level where we're going to be getting another one because, um, because that, that, that bond has, has done his time. Daniel Craig is now going to be out of the franchise and they knew that going into this. And I think that nowadays I feel like it's not, it, it feels like, you have to have the same actor play the character over and over again. When you look at the big franchises that exist that are, I'm talking like are more than like, you know, a trilogy. You have the Batman movies, you have the Marvel movies, Fast and Furious is up to nine movies, the Bond movies is like well over 20. There's a lot of different movies that are out there, but the thing is, when you look at the franchises, it's the more recent franchises that insist on either when an actor is unable to keep the role, they either quietly recast them or they try to figure out some other way of just writing the character out. Look at Fast and the Furious. Paul Walker unfortunately passed way sooner than he than obviously he should have. And instead of figuring out a way to recast him, and not that they should have, but instead of figuring out a way to recast him, they immediately just tried to eliminate his character from the stories so that he didn't need to be in the films anymore. And I think that's that's partially what's happening with Black Panther right now because there is some pushback about, well, maybe you should recast that character because that character goes beyond just the actor himself. And I think that's true of a lot of these different characters. I don't know that you necessarily need to get rid of a character just because their association with one actor was prominent for you know, almost a decade. And in some cases, less than that. I mean, Affleck was not Batman that many times. He was at, he was, he was Batman basically in two films and a reboot, uh, or not a reboot, but an extended version of the same film. You had Cavill in multiple movies, but like in reality, there's these, there's no reason that those characters have to be eliminated from story aspects. There are so many stories that they could tell with Superman, with, Batman that why are we just giving up on those stories and figuring out a way to figure out how to recast them or something like that but I digress um, to wrap up the episode the last news brief I have is just a real quick one it's not really to talk about anything specific but as 
over the past two weeks, there's an insane amount of merchandise that has been announced for the Batman. And that merchandise, we're going to be posting a ton of articles in the coming, uh, over the next week into, or the next couple weeks actually, because there's still more coming out. But there's a lot of merchandise. Spin Master has toys, McFarlane Toys has toys and collectibles. Um, we've got, uh, Funko has a, a mass load of stuff that they're releasing. There's a ton of stuff. Um, we're going to probably be doing a episode in the future prior to the movie coming out. But Oreo's doing a promotion with the Batman. There's, I don't know if they're still doing it, but there originally was a plan to do a Mountain Dew crossover with the Batman where it was supposed to have a drink called the Riddler's Brew. Um, so we'll talk more about that stuff in the future. Um, along with more merchandise as but just keep an eye out on the website because not only are we going to be posting up the news for this stuff but this stuff is going to be hitting store shelves very soon here when it does we'll be getting some of these items to review on the website and our tbu merch reviews over on youtube we'll be focusing on a lot of the batman items over the coming months so that is that the final thing i want to talk about and not talk about but just mention is that I don't think a lot of people know this, but there's a viral marketing campaign quietly happening for the Batman. And I'm not we're not gonna dive into it too much right now. Well, actually, we're not gonna dive on it at all. I'm just gonna tease it with in the coming weeks, we're gonna be doing an episode specifically focusing on the viral marketing for the Batman up to this point. There is this is like prime time for a viral marketing campaign because let's be honest, the Riddler mysteries, it makes sense to have some sort of connection with uh, quietly doing secretive stuff and things like that to promote the film. And it's happening right as we speak, and you probably don't even know it because it's not really getting the attention like The Dark Knight did when that one was having an insane viral marketing campaign back in 2007 into 2008. So that is important to bring up, and we're going to be discussing that on a future episode just in the next couple of weeks. Um, so there's So that's something to look forward to. So with all of that being said, if you're interested in everything related to Batman when it comes to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, comics, and everything else related to the Bat fandom, be sure to check out our website, thebatmanuniverse.net, for all kinds of not only news, but original content and tons of podcasts related to all those aspects of Batman and other characters within the Batman universe as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we have a Discord. We have a Facebook group. We are obviously on YouTube. You can find all of our social links over on our website, which can be found at the top side of the website, uh, thebatmanuniverse.net. And in addition to that, uh, please take a moment to just review our support page because if you are supporting the uh, the show via Patreon, you actually get these episodes early. Um, in some cases, you get them up to like four or five days early um, as a perk for just supporting at the middle tier that we offer on Patreon. So that is something you can look forward to if you are supporting us on Patreon. You can find information on how to support us by heading over to the website and looking for support TBU. With all of that being said, for BJ, Idol, and myself, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TBU Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.